0: This is a Media Lab podcast. Dave, I think it's time for me to to do a big thing uh, with you here today. It, uh, it's been leading up to this moment. Um, I've taken all your advice to heart, and so I, I, have to, I have to give you this.
1: Are these a pair of running shoes?
0: They are a pair of running shoes. I, I changed you to this machine, this desk, for, for so very long, but it's time for you to run it's time for you to get out there and and enjoy your life
1: so you're gonna you're gonna cut the chain
0: i'm gonna cut the chain
1: sweet all right see ya Podcast's over
0: oh wait actually we do still have to talk about this julia roberts movie so you know just sit there you know what let me just do up this chain one more time and uh uh we'll see where this goes Oh man In his own garage, Kyle has built a machine. Cobbled together with parts found in his friend's church basement and a dumpster behind the local Dairy Queen, this monstrosity is now alive and evil. Kyle has convinced his friend Dave to help stop the apocalypse by reviewing films The Machine picks. The ultimate purpose is still unknown, and Kyle could have probably done this himself, but he's not being dragged to hell alone. This This is is Kyle and Dave Dave versus versus The machine. Machine. Welcome to Kyle and Dave vs. The Machine. My name is Kyle.
1: I'm still Dave.
0: And I'm the Machine. A podcast where a sentient machine forces us to watch movies in order to prevent it from initiating the apocalypse, although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. Uh, For whatever reason, the machine really loves us talking about movies from 1999. Today is no different, because we're going to be watching the film Runaway Bride. The bride is walking down the aisle.
1: Maggie Carpenter is walking down the aisle. Seems very confident in her approach. She's at the first pew. The bride seems to be a bit hesitant. She's turning. She's turning and... Oh, she's running! Where's she going?
0: Flat the door! She likes to dump grooms right at the altar. Plows down the aisle, knocking old ladies out of her way like the running of the bulls in Pamplona.
1: I'm profoundly and irreversibly
0: screwed up.
1: I have been accused of using this column to direct bitter diatribes at the opposite sex. I could. This runaway bride story, I think we can sell it to GQ magazine. The real story. All the gory details. If she runs again, you got a cover story. Shazam, I think I'm in Mayberry.
0: Dave, uh, we did talk about Notting Hill already this year. So we have already discussed Julia Roberts. But do you have any history with a runaway bride no. in any capacity?
1: No. no. Can I? No. I can say it again. <laughs> One yeah. more time. Um, no.
0: For, for for a second, there I, I don't know if we, uh, this will pick up in the podcast. I do hear an ambulance or something going by uh, on your end. I did think it was your child for a second, <laughs> like just screaming its head off. And I was like, oh, what's he, going he on? He was
1: screaming because he heard us say runaway bride.
0: <laughs> hey, uh. <laughs> Not that we've watched the movie yet, <laughs> right. but he's not wrong. Right. I also have no history with this movie whatsoever. Although, and again, not to to, to spoil the podcast, I feel like I've been lied to because I thought I was told that this movie was good. <laughs> who uh, But not that I've seen. We haven't seen the right, movie yet, so right. who knows? Maybe we'll be surprised on the the goodness of this film. If we
1: watch it and we don't like it, we should find the person who told you they liked it and make them pay
0: right yeah. make them watch it uh all right well maybe we can just rip off this band-aid let's why don't we do this let me go thank some sponsors we'll watch the movie and then when we return we'll be talking about runaway bride just keep those shoes close by hey everyone it's me kyle it is uh so so hot where i am right now i am and the heat outside that is also heating the inside of my house is compounded because the machine offputs just a lot of heat energy as well. Like looking at it now, I probably should not have covered the entire outside of the robot with incandescent bulbs, but the march of progress is slow. Anyways, thank you so much for listening to Kyle and Dave vs. the Machine. I'm Here to let you know uh, about some of the people who make this show possible. First and foremost, I should let you know that Kyle and Dave vs. The Machine is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported the alberta podcast network promotes and supports alberta-made podcasts and connects their audiences with alberta-based businesses and organizations this episode of kyle and davers of the machine is brought to you by world on fire a new podcast from cbc edmonton world on fire is a new five-part series that takes you to the front lines of -of out-of-control wildfires in canada australia and california Recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic, hosts Adrian Lamb and Mike Flanagan look at what it takes to find hope in the midst of fear and destruction and how communities affected by wildfires rebuild. The series examines the high costs that wildfires cause to people's health, homes, and communities. Find World on Fire on the CBC Listen app or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find it online at cbc.ca slash worldonfire. This week, Kyle and Dave vs. the Machine is also brought to you by the Alberta Podcast Network. So let's go listen to one of the other great shows. The podcast you're listening to is proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. And so is mine. My name is Vanda, and I'm the host of Tight Ends Podcast. I don't know much about football, but I know a tight end when I see one. If you're looking for a sports
1: podcast without all the stats and numbers and even facts and figures,
0: join Tight Ends Podcast, the sports podcast for the rest of us. Every week, we find out what's up with Gronk, and we always have a great tweet of the week, so you can follow along. Go to AlbertaPodcastNetwork.com to find more great podcasts like Tight Ends Podcast, and remember, clear eyes, tight ends can't lose. Well, the person who told me this movie was good was definitely wrong. Yeah,
1: Jesus. uh, Fuck. Are we allowed to swear on this episode?
0: Uh, Yes, you again (laughs) are the reason why this is an (laughs) R-rated podcast, Dave. I, again, sorry to spoil the review. I hated this movie (laughs) a lot. Um, And as someone who was a big fan of Notting Hill, I was looking forward to like debating you and talking to you about... Uh, why you're wrong about romantic comedies. Unfortunately, I think this is going to be an episode where we both rag on the movie for like 25 minutes. Well, uh, so hopefully we can uh, keep an element of fun I, <laughs> throughout these proceedings. I don't have
1: a problem with romantic comedies. I have a problem with romantic comedies that are not romantic and not funny.
0: I, I mean, I personally love a stalker film <laughs> every so often. Christ. All right, well, let's go through some of this. Let me push this button. The, uh, machines is going to print out some information for us to read. Actually, it's a lot shorter than usual here. Uh, all right, so... Right Bride was released July 30th of 1999. No other major releases were that week. Currently, it's rated 5.5 on IMDb, 39 on Metacritic, and then on Rotten Tomatoes, based on 87 critics reviews, it's at 46%. And based on 437,978 user reviews, it's at 53%. So this is a rotten film by both metrics. Of Rotten Tomatoes. What were you going to say? No,
1: I'm just amazed that there are 53% of humans that would give it a higher than 50% rating.
0: Put it this way humanity is stupid. Like most movies easily get like a six out of 10. Like that's like an average movie I find online. So when it's below that, you know it's bad. It is available on DVD and Blu ray. You can buy it or rent it on iTunes or Google Play Movies. And in Canada at least, you can stream it on Amazon Prime. It's budget. Get ready to hold on to your hat. Its budget was $70 million. Are you
1: fucking kidding me?
0: I am guessing both Richard Gere and Julia Roberts got like over half of that budget. Is what I'm guessing. So, it has to be. Sorry,
1: how many, how many dollars? $70?
0: $70? $70 million. I, Just put that into perspective when we have seen, I think, what, uh, yeah, anyways. I have to look back in our, in our archives though, but when you see stuff like, Office space being made for like fifteen million dollars and like other stuff. It's like, how how did you spend this money? Like I don't get it. Anyways, it was a big box office success, as you'll find out, because it opened to thirty five million dollars. It would go on to make a uh, a total of one hundred fifty two domestically, one hundred fifty seven million internationally, bringing it to a grand total of three hundred nine million dollars. with inflation, four hundred and seventy six million dollars is what this movie made. Uh, Julia Roberts was a box office draw back in the late nineties. Fine. It's plot description from IMDb is A reporter is assigned to write a story about a woman who has left a string of fiancés at the altar. It stars Julia Roberts as Maggie Carpenter, Richard Gere as Ike Graham, Christopher Maloney as Coach Bob Kelly, and Joan Cusack as Peggy Fleming. So let me talk to you about some of those people. Uh, Joan Cusack was born October 11th, 1962. And if you go and listen to our Toy Story 2 episode, you can hear the rest of her bio, because we talked about her on that episode. So that brings us to Christopher Maloney, who was born on April 2nd, 1961. He started on TV, doing guest spots and TV movies. His theatrical film debut was as Bodyguard Number no. 2 in 1994's Clean Slate, a Dana Carvey comedy. He'd go on to be in things such as 12 Monkeys, Bound, and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. 1999 would not just be a big year for him because he was in Runaway Bride, but because he began starring in Law & Order SVU, that stands for Special Victims Unit. This would be what made him famous for a bunch of people. He would stay on that series until 2011, so for 12 seasons. Uh, Weirdly, even though he was a fan favorite, he was only nominated for an Emmy once his entire tenure on that show, losing to Kiefer Sutherland on 24. In recent years, he's done a bunch of voice work in such things as Family Guy, Rick and Morty, and the new Harley Quinn series. Uh, Currently, he has no upcoming projects, although I will say editorially here, if you follow him on Twitter, he is a bonkers crazy man. So, have fun doing that. Uh, Dave, the machine wants me to send you over some information, so it wants you to read out the rest of this. Let's
1: take a look here. Richard Gere. Born August thirty first,
0: nineteen forty nine. Let's. Put, so I'm going to pause you right there, Dave. Uh, you'll notice that his birthday is in the year nineteen forty nine, uh, which makes him fifty years old. The, the the year that this movie came out. I'm just going to say that for uh, a payoff that's going to happen later in this episode. I will.
1: I, I'll give him this much credit. He he looked pretty good in this movie for a fifty year old stalker. There's. Uh... <laughs> fucking disgusting. All right, let's keep going. His first credit was in the TV movie Chelsea DHO in 1973. But within a few years, he'd be in such things as looking for Mr. Goodbar, Days of Heaven, American Gigolo, An Officer and a Gentleman, as well as Breathless. It was probably An Officer and a Gentleman that really kickstarted his career. And then in 1990, he'd have the huge hit Pretty Woman, which had many of the same actors and creative team as this piece. Uh, sorry. Uh, into the 2000s, Richard Gere's career would be pretty hit or miss. For every primal fear or Chicago, there was a Dr. T and the Women or Knights in Rodanth. Are these actual movies?
0: There's two actual movies. Dr. T and the Women, which was, of all things, a Robert Altman movie that just bombed and was not critically liked at all. And then Knights in Rodanth, is oh i'm gonna forget the woman the actress anyways it was a bad movie i remember yeah Yeah, it's a bad movie
1: that he was you know what there was that movie where he's like a corrupt finance something and the daughters uh that was a pretty good movie what was that emma roberts is that power yeah something anyways that was pretty good but who cares i can't
0: remember yeah yeah uh
1: this movie wasn't spoiler alert his last project was the TV miniseries, Father, uh, sorry, TV miniseries Mother, Father, Son that came out last year. There are no upcoming projects. Oh, the machine's very curt. Julia Roberts, born.
0: Oh, God. <clears throat> one second, one second, one second. Let me. <laughs>
1: you know what? Who gives That's a so shit? Uh, Julia Roberts, listen yeah. to our Notting Hill episode to hear her bio. This movie is written by Josanne McGibbon and Sarah Perriott. They're a writing team starting writing they started writing on tv before transitioning to film with such things as three men and a little lady that was the third one
0: i think it's the third Awful. one yeah
1: that actually makes sense the favor and then this piece of shit sorry uh, and then this movie they've stayed on television after this movie came out with things like desperate housewives that's actually not that surprising and the disney tv movie series descendants
0: but you 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 like this or your your son likes this Emerson loves descendants
1: i think it's pretty watchable although i kind of walk in and out of the room um <laughs> right yeah, but it's yeah, got okay. uh what's her face uh as the first one's got uh, the the uh, maleficent is uh that broadway singer you might like her the blonde one she was in glee for a bit as the drunken
0: oh chris and with yeah
1: directed by gary marshall born november 13th 1934
0: no, just before just before anyone calls nepotism, no relation to me, <laughs> as far as I know.
1: Gary Marshall started his career writing and producing television. His first credit was for The Tonight Show when Jack Parr was hosting. This dude's old, man.
0: Yeah, Jack Parr, by the way, second host of The Tonight Show after Steve Allen. He would have a hand... For those who care.
1: I, d- I didn't, but thank you for interjecting. He- <laughs> yeah. You'd, uh, sorry, give a second.
0: Sorry, I forget. Sometimes people don't realize that I was also born in 1930. <laughs> and so I know all this stupid trivia. Darius
1: is actually Kyle's brother. He'd have a hand in writing scripts for The Lucy Show and then The Dick Van Dyke Show before hitting it big with a string of hits, The Odd Couple, Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, and Mork and Mindy. Those are actually seminal TV shows that probably Classic shows. do not hold up.
0: Yeah, unfortunately not. It's actually, especially Happy Days, I think. does It's almost unwatchable. Um, the interesting thing about those last three shows, this is, again, something that only I care about. Uh, do you know the, the the line that connects Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley and Mork and Mindy? No. Laverne and Shirley, M- Mork and Mindy are spinoffs of Happy Days. Happy Days actually holds, I think it ties all in the family with the amount of spinoffs. There were from one TV show. Mm. Although I think all in the family has the extra special thing of having a spinoff of a spinoff. So who invited this guy?
1: All right. Good.
0: So there Good. you go. Fun, fun facts we, all around you. You
1: have revealed yourself fully Kyle on this podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, Hey, I wear pants. Okay. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Oh, we're on zoom. So there's no way to <laughs> who verify knows? Yeah. I mean, we're in the same room uh, with the robot. And I just can't I mean, yes, see the lower half.
0: Let's, let's keep this fiction, this robust fiction that we have created uh, amongst this audio program method, of, man. Method of us in the, in the same room. Uh,
1: his first theatrical film was Young Doctors in Love from 1982. That certainly didn't set the world on fi- fire. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's just a funny line. I don't know why. But he'd have a string of hits in the 80s and 90s, such as The Flamingo Kid. Beaches, Pretty Woman, and Exit to Eden. His last big hit was The Princess Diaries and its sequel. He would continue directing into the late late 2010s, having a trio of films named after holidays, Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, and Mother's Day. None of these are movies. Sorry, none of these (laughs) were major...
0: These are (laughs) green cards that he wrote and left uh, left behind.
1: None of these were major critical or box office hits. He would pass away on July 19th, 2016 at the age of 81.
0: Okay, well, I don't even know where to start with this, Dave. Why why don't you take me through your thoughts about watching this movie? Not that we didn't sit uh, beside each other while this happened, but thought process, how long did it take you to go through it? Let's, let's, let's open up this can of worms. What did you think about this movie? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, if it hasn't been made clear, I think this is one of the worst movies I've ever had to sit through. I, I mean, it's not uh, the worst movie in a uh, fun, intentional way. It's bad because uh, there's, there's nothing... There's no salvaging points. There's nothing good about any of it. The characters are shit. I, I mean, I don't know if I can comment on the acting. I don't know if they got anything to work with, or uh, like, I, I don't know if it's their fault. The directing, I mean, even the directing was poor, Kyle, like, the way this thing's pieced together is, I, I just can't, I hated everything.
0: I, ca- I, I I don't know how to say this without becoming, like, exceptionally mean, and that's not what my intention is, but...
1: Let uh, it be your intention. It
0: feels, it feels like a TV movie yes. in, the, in the worst possible way of that meaning. And I agree. There are certain cuts that happen in this. I'm just like, what happened? <laughs> like, is this like they only did like, I don't know. They had no coverage whatsoever. So, like, that's the only options that they had available. Like, that that's what it kind of feels right. like. I mean, as far as the acting goes, I actually don't think the acting in and of itself is bad. It's just like the material itself is bad. So I don't think that anyone like even the lovely like I love Laurie Metcalf like adore Laurie Metcalf. I think she is one of America's best actresses um, and is slept on a lot like she is so good. She tries so desperately to make her like two scenes work and it just doesn't like she's trying so is hard to make it be funny. Yeah.
1: That character is fucking awful. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, the.
0: Well, I know, but it's like, she's great. Like, I know that actress is great. And she's trying. And it's like, it's just, no, like, just stop. It's just not good.
1: It's incomprehensible. A, that it's. I'm just going back to $70 million. For $70 million, Kyle, you could have, you should have more footage and rewrites and, and, like, input from your actors that none of this makes sense. I honestly, and this is, this is the first time I was wrong about the gender of the writers. I honestly thought halfway through that this had to be written right. by a man because yeah. Richard Gere's character is uh, not like a psychopath, a fucking stalker. Like He's so creepy, but you know he's going to win over this, this woman. It's just, it, it, it's so, dis- like I actually had a feeling of disgust. It was like my soul and my spirit were being sucked out of my body every minute that passed out of this movie. And then when they do the so-called romantic turn, I, I just, it you know, it was like a psychotic thriller turned Stockholm Syndrome. I, I don't even understand. Mm-hmm. I don't understand any of it. Uh, it's not romance. It's, it's some fucking psycho. And
0: well, that's what I mean. Like, again, this is, you can argue, I guess, a different time. And I I sometimes hate when that gets thrown up here too much, but it's like, I don't get in what universe this does not come off as the biggest example of, like, what we now call, like, negging, like, just throwing negativity at this person until they fall in love with you. And, yeah, being a weird stalker, like, walking into your place of work and not leaving and then going to your home and not being immediately kicked out for, for... no apparent reason from what I can see in this character who is shown as nothing but an asshole the entire time he is on screen and in his profession. And then I guess I'm supposed to be rooting for him to like convert this woman to see the air of her ways because she's a woman. So she doesn't understand the way that the world works. Like that's basically what the tone is. And I'm like, I don't, I don't get (laughs) what what is going on here and why I wanted to make that uh, statement Of Richard Gere's birth not to age shame anyone but I was like halfway through this like wait how old is Richard Gere right now and I had to look it up 50 years old Julia Roberts was 33 I think in 1999 not that I don't suppose you can't fall in love with that age range but it just comes off as like super predatory um well in in this film uh, and maybe i should revisit pretty woman maybe the same thing is true of pretty woman but it just feels gross the entire time i mean
1: i could be wrong but i feel like just to counter that one point it's got it got a lot creepier where the age gap got maybe 10 or 15 years longer and we were seeing so-called rom-coms where the actor the male lead would be 50 and it would be a debutante Mm -hmm. you know actress in her 20s uh, and it's fucking yeah. disgusting to watch because, uh, you know, casting could do better. You, you, I, I don't understand how Hollywood works uh, for women. You don't understand most things. I know that's become, uh, I won't say mm-hmm. resolving, but certainly in the forefront in the last five or six years. But Christ, man, like, uh, it's it's hard to comprehend what it must have been like. I mean, you know, Weinstein, all that shit aside, even just at, if you could just be an actress like what was the, oh, I we finally watched La La Land, not to, to cross too much, mm, yeah. but those sequences where Emma Stone is going through the auditions. I mean, it's just, like, I don't understand anything about yeah. an after, uh, actor's life, but uh, there's that one sort of meta scene. Uh, the first half of the movie is great. Uh, it drags way too long, you know, where she's in the room where everybody looks kind of like her, but as uh, she comments like prettier and more of this and
0: yeah, um, yeah.
1: And That shit's weird, man. All of it's weird. How, you know, it's such a male centric world for two women a women well that I mean a woman writing team to play unless you know they're overpowered by the studio.
0: I mean I I do think that is the most shocking thing about this film when I uncovered this because I like you thought has to have been written by some guy like nope these are two women who wrote this material and thought there's a couple different things though that kind of go through my mind, which is the first I was not immediately I don't know anti this movie when it started Although by about 20 minutes in I was. But I mean at the first at the beginning it, it actually had this really weird feeling, I guess we could call it a tone. It actually had a lot familiar to like 1940s comedies. Like that's what I thought it was gonna be going for. It then devolves into something completely different that I I don't think follows through on like that kind of like setup and promise. But had they kept that tone, I think I would have been able to accept it maybe a little bit better if it was more of like a give and take where like, it's the wisecracking dame and like the guy who's trying to, the newspaper guy who's trying to get with her or something like that. I could have been on board with that. And then unfortunately, it's like, no, we're saying this, it is modern day. We're trying to make this modern to 1999. And it feels like it's so antiquated. And you can tell that it was a sixty year old man who directed this movie.
1: I you know, as soon as you said that, all I can think about how much better it'd be in black and white with like, I don't know, Spencer Spencer Tracy and Hepburn yeah. or something. And Hepburn. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. they could like yell at each other and you think it's fucking hilarious. Uh, and that stuff, aside from the blatant racism and whitewashing, is that it could hold up right. as a narrative. Uh so maybe, judging by how old all of these people are, you know, that might have been in the back of their mind and they just fucked it up. I don't know. But it was uh Yeah. It was, it, it was so creepy, man. Like I think about halfway through, um, not that I watched this movie with my wife beside me, but Helen looked at mm-hmm. me like she kept trying to tell me to calm down because I was, <laughs> I was <laughs> fucking livid, <laughs> man. <There's> the <laughs> vibrating <Yeah>. is like, <laughs> yeah, I, I have, this is the first movie probably, uh, in many weeks where I have vigorously typed notes uh, and they don't even make sense. It's uh-huh. just venting of pure Rage that uh, that this thing exists. You know the crazy part.
0: Jesus fuck shit. That's what my note says. I don't know what this means. At some point, it's just
1: (laughs) it's just uh, letters because I can't even type out uh, type out the profanity quick enough. But uh, I don't even understand setting this in small town USA. Like that doesn't even play that well because like if you're in small town Mm -hmm. USA and you have this pariah of a woman that's been through all of these things, like I don't even understand that. That dynamic in the town until they play up the idea that she's being made fun of, but that doesn't appear for the first hour of the movie until the the like. Why are they having a luau? Like the there's there's no thought process for any aspect. Of, it's like they just fucking yeah, threw it, shit at a wall.
0: It it really does feel like uh, random scenes stitched together. Part of it too is that I I. I I read up a little bit on how this movie came to be, which was the studio originally wanted Pretty Woman to have a sequel. I was just going to say, it's probably supposed to be Pretty Woman. And Julia Roberts said, absolutely not. I'm not doing sequels. And so they said, okay, well, let's just get all the same people, same creative team, and make just an original concept. And I think that maybe they were just hampered by that, where it's just like, there's no real passion for this project is it's like we just want to work together again i guess well this script will be okay yeah don't rewrite rewrite it it's fine we'll just we'll jump on here we'll do this thing and what happens is that it's just a bunch of random scenes and there's no thought process put into it so things that you could start to see at the beginning of the movie and pay them off just aren't and so like you said yeah like when we first meet the julia roberts character she's like Um, I don't know like she seems to be like so outgoing and like loved by everyone and then apparently we're supposed to believe that actually no everyone kind of like dismisses her and thinks she's like this big old joke I don't see how this was seated properly and maybe that's a modern audience too, looking back at this and expecting more but it's just like I don't
1: think so I I mean I don't
0: know it is it feels weird it is the whole movie just feels weird and can I just say there are four montages in this movie (laughs) There is four goddamn montages in this movie. I'm just like, A, it's not the 80s anymore, boys. Like, we can't do this. And B, two at the most. Like, you cannot. Even the Rocky movies only had one or two montages. Like, you cannot do this.
1: I think every movie should be a montage. One of my pet peeves is when they show home videos that are clearly put together by a film (laughs) team. Yeah.
0: And uh, yeah, 100. You know, percent like big, great, big cameras. Yeah, this and, like, is different angles. Yeah, and everything. Like how yeah.
1: many? This is supposed to be shot by a bellboy, a bellhop, in a fucking like small town hotel, and uh, it's got multiple cameras. That part where she's running away, and they've got a a camera stitched to her ass because it's showing the trail <laughs> as the kid's being dragged behind. I hate that stuff. Like, yeah. it's uh, it's frustrating. I know that was a bit of a trope in this era where, yeah. you know, like you have a a, a so-called Hollywood director. Uh, who's gonna direct a mini movie inside? They can't, they can't go home video on that shit, right? They gotta still show their craft. I mean, not that I was into the narrative, but what a break! Like, I as soon as I mean, why are they? Why do they have three weddings on one VHS tape? You know, and it's only the part where she right, runs. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, and they're and they've got title sequence. Like, the whole thing is so contrived. You know, the other pet peeve I have, which I, maybe is just a cultural thing, I don't understand the concept of ex-couples being friends and touching each other. Like, uh, the idea that his ex-wife... Is that Rita Wilson? Anyways, his ex-wife
0: is... It was. It it is. It's uh, Miss Miss Tom Hanks, but yeah, Rita Wilson. It's kind
1: of weird, right? Like, anyways, so... Yeah, she's his I, boss I, I
0: can't say that I've seen it happen a lot in real life I've, I have heard that it does it can happen well I don't think ever to the degree that you see it in this movie M- maybe if there was kids involved you could have that well, sure relationship still be there but. I don't mean like
1: you have to be fire and brimstone I mean that does happen too and that's unfortunate but you know the idea yeah. that you are in a workplace you work for your ex-wife who's uh, now married to your best friend who's the photographer they decide right. they're going to save your career even though they had to fire you and then when you have your emotional sort of cathartic moment, you go to their fucking house and you start touching and rubbing each other's faces while you like, yeah, what the weird. fuck was going well, on? Well, that's there?
0: the thing too. It's like, if I, there was ever exhibit A, and I know people are going to call me like this beta soy boy cuck for saying this, but I don't even know like, what any
1: of those words mean, but do, go on. Well,
0: <laughs> look it up because my picture is beside it. Uh, it. It's that like old white male privilege to like the. Exmo degree it's like you f- you like uh are fired or you get quote unquote canceled but still excel at your next thing like there is no uh real consequences for anything that the richard gear character does yes he loses his job but gets this prime like uh opportunity to go to this small town and like write in a, a book and save his career he makes out with another man's fiance. And quite rightfully, Christopher Maloney punches him in the face. I'm like, how am I supposed to think Christopher Maloney is a bad guy in this situation? Uh, and still gets to end up marrying her. He yells at this, and browbeats this woman, who then comes to him in New York and is like, here's my running shoes, you were right the entire time. Oh, I'm like, what is me. going on? Like, I don't, it's like, it is the prime example of, like, if, for me, it feels like, it's like, boys will be boys, right? <laughs> can't, can't blame them too much. It's like, this does not feel like a real human being that is in this movie.
1: I got the sense, and it'll be a good thing that this podcast will never be big enough that these, uh, this woman writing team will actually hear this and comment on it, but by the end of the movie, I had uh, movie, what a fucking strong word, but at the end of this piece of shit, <laughs> I um, had these two thoughts. Number one, is this the type of relationship and uh, depiction of quote-unquote romance that makes Fifty Shades of Grey so popular? And B how much of this is just residual bitterness of shitty relationships these people have been in i mean the scrambled egg shit like what the f- you know living for others like it's just the stupidest i mean again i, I don't know. that
0: that's a that's a concept and that's a, a plot thread that i feel could have had some sort of thematic point, but I really feel that this movie doesn't care about any thematic point. It's trying to be funny and romantic, and I just personally feel it's neither of those things. I didn't laugh once. So it's like
1: I didn't give a shit no. about them getting together. I will say, like, I'm, I've never been a big Julia Roberts fan, but having watched these two movies, regardless of my opinions of both of them being pieces of shit, she is, you know, charming. Like, there are moments in this movie where she'll just play a piece where you're like, you know, she actually does seem Uh, likable i don't want to punch my tv in the face but
0: uh... i I was gonna say the exact same thing actually it's like for all the faults of this movie at the very least i get why julia roberts was a star like she shines throughout this entire movie and is i think uh likable um and everything that richard Gere is not i I don't want to hog all the time here but um can you explain to me why richard Gere? like what is i don't know I don't get his whole deal. Maybe, again, maybe it's because I'm a weirdo and A, never found him attractive in the first place, uh, even young Richard Gere. And I don't think he's this amazing actor. Uh, he plays the same character. I, get, I, I just don't get it. Like, what is it about Richard Gere that made him have a career for so long? You know what? I, I know that's mean. That's a super mean comment, but I just don't get
1: no, it. No, I don't think it's mean. I mean, I think these things are valid questions. It's like the idea which is also a valid sort of observation i think that there are uh, there's hollywood good looking and there's tv good looking and they somehow do not mm-hmm. intersect even though if we think of let's say beauty as a concept that shouldn't be the case but there's just something uh, yeah. And maybe it's Julia Roberts case. Like maybe you need to have a certain type of charisma or something. I, I don't, I don't actually understand it. Uh, it's intuitive, but Richard Gere, I suspect um, plays to, uh, I mean, I don't want to overplay this with the James Dean sort of thing, but I think he, he has a cruel, he has a cruel face, man. And uh, a
0: cruel face. All right.
1: I mean, it's one, the first half of the movie is where I could not uh, pick up on anything he was doing. he, he, Looks like a sociopath. There's something uh, wrong with him. And then uh, I think some, uh, particularly in that era, I think you know th- this male role identity, um, even f- for how women are told they're supposed to like men. Um, I think he mm. plays this thing, cold, calculating. He'll soften up when he needs to, right? Like he'll go punch right. a dude in the face, but then he'll bring you flowers. He has that sort of uh, that energy. Uh, and I don't know if this is a, a generational thing that we've gone beyond that, where we need, mm-hmm. at least I need to see a little bit more human depth, so you don't look like a, yeah, like a sociopath. But
0: I, I need, I just need strong pack, pecs and a six pack. That's, well, officer gentleman,
1: he could do a lot of pushups. ups you know? <laughs> he yeah.
0: could. I mean, I, I did some research while we were watching this movie uh, together, and uh, I cannot look at this movie without feeling that it's re of a publicist and I don't know some sort of like promotion Richard Gere in 1999 won the people's uh, most sexiest man alive award I have to imagine that this was part of it the marketing to this movie was him winning that award so people would go and watch this movie for some reason that's all that's what it feels like to me a the People's sexiest man alive is a bullshit title <laughs> that your publishers pays to get done like I get that um, e- because I've never been asked to vote on it. Um, are you, but, are you, uh,
1: are you suggesting Kyle Marshall
0: <laughs> that yeah. the
1: winner, the winner of the Listen. sexiest, uh, humans is not mm-hmm. what it seems. I mean, it is in a mag- It is in print. It is in print.
0: Yeah, listen, Dave, I, I'm just asking for a return to ethics in Sexiest Man Alive journalism. <laughs> That's all I'm I'm looking for. You know, for. with the uh, if- <laughs> power of the internet,
1: you could probably democratize that, but you probably don't want to.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't want to, no. If there's any good use uh, of Facebook, it would probably yeah. be that. Oh, I, I do want to call out some of the music cues oh, that happen in this movie, because some of it does bring me back, but uh, we have you 2 in there, yeah, it's which is—it's
1: uh, great that they use very literal, <laughs> uh, very literal lyrics for each of the sequences, just so that mm-hmm. you could understand uh, what was happening.
0: And then, of course, he whistles the uh, theme song to the Andy Griffith Show, which I mean, uh, Mr. Marshall did not write for that show, but might as well have because it's a reference that probably people in the '90s didn't even know. Also, I still don't get—I don't know if it's just a comment on the small town being like out of touch, but. Um, the bellhop puts on a virtual boy. Yeah,
1: what the heck was that?
0: To to play games, the virtual boy stopped production in 1996. Oh, uh, so I don't get it. I think that has to be what the comment is. Like they're so backwards, they still think this is modern technology. I, I saw it. And I was I don't, like, this kid's from it. the
1: future because that's what we're trying to develop right now.
0: <laughs> now, right? how yeah. creepy
1: was the uh, top? Well, why did they put in the topless photo piece? where he won't give her... He's commenting on her breasts, right? When he's like, what the fuck was that, Kyle?
0: What is going on? And then he has got this
1: diabolical smile on his face where he's like leveraging this photograph against a a presumably defenseless woman for more information to destroy her public reputation. And she concedes like...
0: Yeah, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's no... There's nothing that Richard Gere does in this movie that is really ever perceived by the movie as wrong like he's always shown in the right or he's put upon but it's like there's no like uh coming to a realization it's all like no it's not me who's wrong it's everybody else who's wrong so come up to my level and it's like i think you're an asshole though so i don't know richard gear reminds me of me
1: there's nothing to improve were there such things as male columns in national publicated in national published newspapers like were there op-ed pieces well, where a man would be like, women are all shit, Or because I always thought that was a magazine thing. I don't know. M- uh.
0: maybe, maybe there was. Here's where I kind of come down on it, which is like the whole like, setup of this movie is stupid. <laughs> Even if he did make up every single line that he put into that column, he's a columnist. He's not a journalist. So it doesn't matter if he makes it up. The people that are in the opinion columns or the opinion pages are not held to the same journalistic integrity. And he's ready for fucking new um, whatever USA it is like or- USA Today. Who fucking cares? <laughs> Sorry for my language. but It's, like, it's not the New York it's Times. Like, it's not the New York Times. It's an opinion piece. It's like. Well, you know, you can't lie in your in your. It's like I'm not writing hard journalism. He's literally writing a puff piece. Who like it does not matter anyway. That was me, like not even. Uh, I was not even accepting of the premise of the movie. He's
1: got that stupid line, like journalism is literature in a hurry. Like I, I don't know everything about this thing. The Miles Davis thing. What the fuck, man? Like where did that come from? I think
0: that was that was him just being able to. He just wants to play guitar in a movie. I think is what that oh, is.
1: It was just so pretentious. I mean. You've got you 2 to start the movie, but then his redeeming qualities in New Yorker is that he cares about Miles Davis. I think it's on a cassette tape. Like
0: I have, uh, <laughs> I know we, again, we keep mentioning this, but we did watch this together. Um, did you stick around for the entire credits? Uh,
1: no, I turned it off.
0: Or did you turn yeah, it off?
1: When they started doing all of the scenes, I was like, no, I can't. I, I need yeah. to.
0: Did you know that after it goes to black and the credits come on, that there is an after credit sequence oh, in this
1: movie? Okay. Are you gonna? Can I
0: describe it to please? you?
1: I'm. I'm ready.
0: It's completely not worth your time, so don't go and do it. It's like thirty seconds. It's again like a little music uh, underscore, a little bit in like slow motion of them throwing snowballs at each oh, other. For fuck's sake! That's you know. And it's maybe it wanted me to run and rip my hair out. What a little hair I have left.
1: Even the concluding cutscene of them making out on the balcony i mean what a poor soul that he got fired and he's got this multi-million dollar fucking loft in central (laughs) park yeah but then this weird spinning camera cutscene of them getting married and then still on the balcony like what why is that i
0: don't even understand the last 30 minutes i really don't like i couldn't even track what was going on it's like she runs away he goes back to new york and then she comes back why uh, and says like you were right the entire time here's my running shoes let's get married i like i don't i don't understand any motivation that's going on at this point The lamps are
1: so ugly and they would not sell in new york now i'm being petty but uh the the other thing that frustrates me in principle but is definitely in reflection this movie the wedding dress scene and i think one of the premises of this uh, like the psychoanalytic problems with this as a, a pair of women writing. This is the white wedding dress mythology in America. This idea that yeah. your life is complete. If you can put on this fucking dress, life does not end at a wedding ceremony. It's like the beginning of a fucking relationship, but the whole thing, like that scene where she's going to buy a thousand dollar dress. And then that woman's like, you know, you shouldn't. And then Richard gear becomes this, like I, and then she does this whole thing about how, like at the end, right? Like, oh, well, I don't want a big crown. I don't want to wear this dress. And then what do they do? They've got her in a dress with a big fucking crown. Like, I mean, albeit they're at the bottom of a hill. Yeah. But, uh...
0: I mean, I guess at the end of the day, I think part of the reason of uh my own baggage coming into watching this film, and not to get too real on you here, Dave, <laughs> uh, although before we started recording, I kind of hit you to this a little bit, Uh, I think part of the reason why I was so against this movie is that I got really... Like, <laughs> as I laugh Uh, so I've been going through this like deep depression the last few days and part of that that got tipped into it was just like you know me me, my sad sack self is like I'm never going to be loved and no one's going to ever love me because I'm unlovable and I watched this movie and it's like fuck you Richard (laughs) like I hated it I hated it so much because it's just like this guy (laughs) this guy gets everything that he wants and I'm here moping on the couch (laughs) (laughs) You stupid movie. Speaking of
1: psychoanalysis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look at.
0: Th- I mean, that's totally me, like, projecting a lot onto this movie that's not there, maybe. i
1: just uh, put these ink blots on this piece of paper. Uh, tell me what you see.
0: Well, that's that. That's Richard <clears throat> Gere giving me the finger.
1: <clears throat> the one-eyed snake. That scene was fucking weird, too, man.
0: I th- I would, like, how about the stupid, like, father being uh, that- uh, an alcoholic that doesn't ever get resolved yeah, or talked about fuck, ever again? Yeah, what the fuck, man?
1: Like, yeah, well, let's just leave it as at what the fuck. The, why that's even in there, it doesn't play into any part of the character development. They just, and this is the thing about, I don't know if it's these two women or rewrites by some unnamed, uh, you know, editing party or mm-hmm. if it's uh, Gary Marshall or whoever the fuck it is, but there are so many weird little depressing pieces that they sneak in here. Even like how uh, mm-hmm. Bob, what, what's the actor's name? But anyways, uh, the current- Christopher Chris Molloney. Molloney Starts off as this sort of benign, silly PE teacher, and then he turns into this like creepy, controlling, like, oh, you just visualize it, and you fucking do this, and I'm going to fucking tell you how to live your life. Like, uh, what the hell was that? Like, I thought that was really hot. That That's some personal shit coming through writing, right? Like, that's some bitterness for a relationship that died somewhere like 20 years before this movie was written. It was uh, creepy. Mm-hmm. Everything about this movie was so creepy
0: by the way you you're you're holding up your phone and i'm really enjoying the stickers that are on the back of your apple iphone uh, tm
1: emerson uh emerson's my stylist if it was, if he had oh, nice. them this would be uh, bedazzled anyways uh helen brought up and this is how you know this movie is fucking terrible you know at the end she she asked me like why can't they just have a relationship why does this whole
0: idea of this movie right like why why do they have to get married? Yeah. Like they don't know each yeah. other. Like I, I don't know. Again, maybe that's the whole like Western uh, perception of love and, and, and I weddings. Don't know. It it's see, it's it's dumb. It's so hackneyed. We're done here. All right. Well, the machine has told us that we have to wrap this up because we've been raging Spitting at this movie. Fire. I, I mean, it's t- told us to wrap this up. But I, let's let's ask those two questions that we often ask. A do you feel that this movie has any cultural relevance
1: uh, in, in <laughs> um, negation? And,
0: and do you think this movie? Yeah, and do you think this movie could be remade today?
1: Not as is, uh, no. And uh, it doesn't. I mean, it has cultural relevance in that it reflects everything wrong with culture. Mm. Uh, but it should be strict. I mean, how this movie is streamable, and so many. I, not that we know what's coming next, but uh, there are so many good movies yeah. that are not. I mean, I know there are production studios and Julia Roberts still has great uh, you know, credibility in the Hollywood sphere, but Christ, Kyle, like this, this is a movie that should not exist, period. It should have been burned. Yeah,
0: you know, there is, there's currently, uh, and not that I normally actually agree with this, but there are so many, um, because of the Black Lives Matter movement and because uh, people don't know how to express their feelings properly, uh, there are so many... Movies and uh, TV episodes that are getting like uh, removed from streaming services here recently. Uh, This is the one I would actually appreciate if they did. (laughs) Just remove it. We don't. We can strike this from the record. We don't need to watch this movie ever again. Just to
1: be ultimately unfair, because this is definitely a sign of times. But there's one minority character, and he's playing a a chest spoon thing in the background of a fucking you know porch blues Mm -hmm. band. I mean, how racially? fucking insensitive is that shit
0: right it's now who's the soy boy oh cook? my god the same oh, shocking
1: and i know that's not fair because we're in a different uh, era right now but mm-hmm. uh i mean it's on display right there that's uh, uh why even include it right
0: so we're not gonna do uh, any trivia because who cares and um we're gonna go straight to our ratings dave what would you give this movie out of five
1: what's the lowest 0.5 0.5
0: is the yeah, lowest we i'm gonna can go 0.5 Okay. I am only giving it slightly marginally, but I have to say, through this conversation, I actually changed my mind. I was actually going to give it the slight benefit of the doubt just for a Julia Roberts magnetism, but I, I can't. <laughs> I'm giving this a one, uh, which means that it is going to right pretty much near the bottom here for us, although it is tied with a message in a bottle. So do you think this is better or worse than message in a bottle? Oh,
1: man. Do we have to make a choice? I know we're, uh, like, can't. We Can do. we just burn them both? You know what? I'll I'll put this above Message Bottle for two reasons. One, Julia Roberts, even though uh, the character doesn't make yeah. any sense, the movie's fucking terrible and uh, it should never exist. And number two, it was what is it? Thirty minutes shorter?
0: Yeah, almost, I think, thirty-five S- minutes shorter. We'll S- so yes. give it
1: credit for that because Message in a Bottle, I will just
0: wouldn't always treasure. I will literally always treasure the moment we were watching Message in a Bottle, not because of the movie, because it's awful. But us both being like, there's an hour and a half more to this movie and being so incredulous that there could be an hour and a half more of that movie. Oh, yet to man. get to go. Ah, well, anyway, so that's Runaway Bride, everybody. <laughs> Have fun, folks. Um, by the way, if you want to see our whole list, you can go to our Letterbox page, which is uh, in the show notes for you to go to. But Letterboxd.com slash KDVSTM. Uh, Katie VSTM is also our social media handles so you can find us on Twitter and on Instagram. And because I haven't talked about it for a while, you can also send us emails at Kyle and Dave VS the machine at gmail.com. If you want to send us some lovely notes, I will say talking about that. I did get a message here recently that I will read out now um, from our recent episode on South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut, where me and Dave uh, yelled at each other and then uh, made up at the end. So, uh, Anonymous writes in and says, That was your best pod yet. You and Dave really pushed the conversation to the purpose of films like this. Creative intention and its connection to the time period is where I think your pod shines. I loved it. So, if you want to put in there, whether it's positive or negative, uh, Kyle and Dave, VS. The machine at gmail.com.
1: Tell us we're wrong about Runaway Bride. I dare
0: you. Yeah. Tell if there are literally, if there are people are like you are, <laughs> you pieces of shit, you don't know anything about romantic comedies. Let us know. You can send us a message and let us know what we uh, got wrong. Uh, Dave, let's push this button and see what we are going to be reviewing next week. Ah, a movie that I actually have never seen before Mystery Men is what we're going to be talking about next week. Have you seen Mystery uh, Man? I
1: used to own it. You've never watched Mystery Man.
0: No, I somehow escaped. um, And being like the big comic book fan I am, I'm surprised I never... Never watched Not it. just
1: comic book, it's uh, Ben Stiller, Janine Garofalo, Hank Azario, William H. Macy, I mean, Yeah, Kyle. it's
0: basically, it's also like every alt comedian has a cameo, apparently. Cameo nothing, <laughs> Every star alt, every, in this every movie. Every 90s, yeah, every uh, every 90s alt comedy or comedian is either a star or shows up somewhere in that movie.
1: This is why I, I feel like, I mean, we'll see if it holds up. I feel like this movie was tailor-made for you. To, no, I used to own it. I don't know why I don't have it anymore. I can't believe that Runaway Bride is streamable and we will find out that this is not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is not. Um, you can rent it if you want to, but yeah, you cannot uh, find it Rock. in most places. Uh,
1: but I'm I'm hoping this holds out cuz this used to be uh, a big uh, This used to be a big movie for me. Um well, I haven't seen it in a while, but I'm excited. Finally well, we get away from this trash robot.
0: <laughs> I hate everything about you. Well, yeah, do you take a seat? Um, I, weirdly enough i think i think these shoes actually fit my feet Fuck, i knew it they Dude, we have big. the same size feet
1: <laughs> they look big to yeah. be honest with you
0: you know you you stay here you talk to the machine for a bit i'm just gonna knew it. do a little jog around the I block i knew
1: it i knew it
0: it's fine just stay here i'm never coming back